When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And so if somebody would have told me back when Dan Campbell was hired to be the head coach of the Detroit Lions that we'd be sitting here in 2023 talking about how the Bears' biggest test of the season is coming up against the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers are awful. I might not have believed you, but that's where we are as a as a world. Like this, this is the world that we live in. We live in a world, there are kids out there right now who are my daughter's age, who could be like eight years old, who, are, who don't know a world, really, where the Lions aren't the best team uh, in the NFC North. But it's interesting. I it, it is a really nice case study. And I know that anybody who listens to the Tyler Scott show, we talk about this at great length about how the Lions are kind of the pathway of what the Bears are trying to emulate. Last year, the Lions were two and six the Bears trying to rebound from two and six and what a perfect opportunity to get right than an opportunity to beat the Detroit Lions. And we're going to talk about that tonight. So Sammy, let's go ahead and start the show. Turn up your volume because you're about to listen to the sick podcast with Adam Ray. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. It's Wednesday night. You know what that means. And it's time for Take It to the Rank. Wednesday night. We're ahead of AEW Dynamite. We'll get you out there in about ah, 45 minutes. And, of course, the Tate Never Lies Network. They'll be uh, kicking off about 90 minutes from now. But some big news for the Chicago Bears. Justin Fields is is expected to return on Sunday, which is great news. And here to talk about it, as always, from FoxSports.com, Carmen Vitale. Carmen, oh my goodness. I was, uh, listen, I was wondering what sort of uh, Thanksgiving wonderment we were going to get. So uh, how are you living? You look, I love it. I love the Thank background. You. Thank you. It's going to get uh, Christmasified very soon. So this might be the last show that I do with like the fall theme background. Um, well, there, 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 there's people who are ardent Thanksgiving fans and fall fans, and I'm sure that they appreciate it. I'm currently wearing a Christmas sweater. I, I don't care. My like, tree's I, up. I, My like, tree's up. See, tree's, it's fine. Yeah. Like you can listen. You can like Thanksgiving and fall, and uh, it's my enjoying Christmas is not going to impact that. That is, it's just a thing. Like you're fine. Uh, is I, my Starbucks card? Like, I don't know. 
And not to say like, woe is me. I love that. Not to say woe is me, but like Thanksgiving is a work day for me. And it's been yeah. a work day for my entire <laughs> career. Even when I was at Arizona State, I was interning for the Sun Devil football team. And we almost always had some sort of game that was, it was usually the Territorial Cup against U of A. Yeah. That was right around Thanksgiving. So I couldn't get home because I was in Arizona. I couldn't fly back to Chicago for like 24 hours. It was too expensive. So I've like, I've never, I just kind of like lost my luster for Thanksgiving because it, it Thanksgiving means work for me. So that's why I skip kind of ahead to Christmas. Although the last couple of years, Christmas has meant work. I was going to say that's even Black Friday is now going to be a, a drag because of everything that's going on. Uh, yeah. Cause for me, I'll be on good morning football. Like we're, we're planning out our bits for GMFB. And they're like, oh, and then next week I'm like, next week. So I got to, I got to drag, I got to drag a green screen with me wherever I'm going to end up. Uh, okay. Uh, we'll do that. But you know what? It is one of those things like for football people, Thanksgiving is a, a working holiday for a lot of us. And it has been that way for me since the nineties. So I'm with you. I know how it goes. I do want to say, speaking of work, I just published a foxsports.com a few hours ago, what Justin Fields return means for him and the bears. So I will ask you, what does it mean? It means that Justin Fields has seven games to prove to Brian Poles and to Matt Eberflus that he is the future of this franchise and he is worthy of them hitching their wagons, hitching their livelihoods to him going forward. Uh, it's a restart because that was what this year was all about. But now you have seven games to tell the this this franchise, this front office, this, these fans that you're the guy. And it's, it's, it's a shortened window. And for the Chicago Bears, it's can your offense maintain an identity while Fields comes back? We heard Luke Getze say that the game plan doesn't really hinge upon whether Tyson Bajan or just Justin Fields is starting before the Thursday night game. And then you see Maddie, you hear me at Maddie Perflis this week say that, hey, uh, yeah, no, I mean, there's some things that Justin can do, open up the run game within the passing game, as in run out of those drop back situations, run on those bootlegs, those nakeds, all that kind of stuff. We want to utilize and capitalize on that. So can you maintain an offense while Justin Fields comes back in? Because those two ideals, are very much at odds with each other. It'll be interesting to see what happens on Sunday. Yeah, you pointed that out in the article you can find on foxsports.com. And it was interesting because, like you said, Matt Eberflus, like it was jarring because I was like, okay, yeah, I see what, what Luke Getze is saying. And then Matt Eberflus says that, do you think that we could be in a position similar to where we were a about a year, a little over a year ago, where the Bears were coming off a Thursday night win over or no, it was a Thursday night loss to the Washington Commanders. Yeah. Then they played the they they played the New England Patriots on a Monday night, and then it looked like a completely different team. Is there an idea that perhaps that's what the Bears are going to try to do here against the Lions? Is really take care or really take advantage of some of their deficiencies? Go after it, let Justin Fields get loose a little bit, or are they going to kind of try to slow play? What do you think the idea is? What what is Matt Eberflus getting at? They are absolutely going to have to get Justin Fields in there and have him be his best right from the jump. Justin Fields was playing some of the best football he's played for the Chicago Bears before he got hurt. It didn't look like that in the Vikings game that he actually got hurt in, but he had two good performances that preceded that. That being said, a lot of this is going to hinge on the fact that Matt Eberflus's defense has actually taken a step forward yeah. rather than just played the Carolina Panthers last week. Now you're going to see a very potent offense with the Detroit Lions that run the ball and pass the ball at almost an equal rate at this point now that they have both David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs back. But 
if you can stop the run game, which the Bears statistically have a very good run defense right now, mm. I think it's top two, if not the best run defense statistically. I do think it's a little overinflated because teams haven't really been running on the Bears. They haven't needed to. They can pass the ball on the Bears and it's worked out for them. But if the Bears can live up to that ranking and they can affect the Lions-Brown game, that is going to preclude, preclude the Lions from opening up their entire offense. A lot hinges on that run game and being able to pull from your full arsenal of offensive weapons that they have up there in Detroit. So if you can stop the run, that's going to be a lot easier of a time. And it's going to go a long way in showing that Matt Eberflus's unit is, has also taken a step forward and that, that Justin Fields can, that can play compliment to what Justin Fields can do. I need to see complimentary football out of the Chicago bears. Well, let's say this though. So you mentioned this in two of the last three games that we saw Justin Fields, obviously he leaves the Minnesota Vikings game early. He would have had an opportunity to win that game. Yeah, Tyson Bajant was there in a one-score game with an opportunity to win it. So we'll never know if he would have been able to rally them. But we do know that in the previous two games, he threw eight touchdown passes, four total in each of those games. If we get into a situation where Justin Fields is throwing four touchdowns a game or not, but like playing as well as he did in those games where he was playing well, you're like, okay, we feel great about it. It's funny because the way that you're, you, you wrote this is like, well, doesn't Matt Eberflus have something to prove or are we just going like Matt Eberflus is fine. There's no way he's going anywhere. Like what if Justin Fields plays well, he ends up with four, he's not going to, but ends up with 4,000 passing yards, 30 touchdowns. And you're like, ah, but we're, we're three and 14. Like does Eberflus get the boot? Like, could that be a possibility as well? I am in the camp that the bears are going to give Matt Eberflus another year, regardless the only situation that I see as a definite departure for Matty Replus is that if, if some of these more unsavory details come out about the two situations that were with some of the coaches on Eberflus' staff, both of which either resigned or were fired midseason. Uh, if stuff like that comes out, the off the field stuff, I think that that is a guaranteed boot for Matty Replus, and rightfully so. But as, as of right now, I think you've seen some incremental improvement in the defense. Like I said, if you continue to see incremental improvement I think that that's enough to carry him at least through the next season I don't know how long his contract is it's probably it's either a three or a four-year deal so he has at least likely one one year left on his contract if not more I think that the McCaskies want to see more of what he can do in that time and then I'm not looking for wins though when it comes to Justin Fields and I went into this season not looking for wins right. if you recall this was all about getting the evaluation on a field as your starting quarterback of the future. And if you get that evaluation and it doesn't come with wins, wins are not a quarterback stat. Right. Then I'm but fine they, with that. But are I'm they a coaching are they a coaching stat though? I mean, would does that in fact yes. does that impact Matt Eberflus? Like if if Justin's great and DJ Moore's getting his and all these guys are playing well, but they're not winning games, at some point do you not look at the head coach? You're like, you you need to start winning games. Would there be a, I mean, obviously the off the field situations, would there be like, if they lose out the rest of the way, like they did last year, at some point you, you can't bring him back regardless of how well the court. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Got your happy price, price line. Quarterbacks play. I think that you can if you make other changes. That's my other thing is there is a middle ground here between firing Matt Eberflus or keeping him and it's getting rid of some of his staff. You already are going to need a new defensive coordinator. I think you can kind of sell the organization on the fact that, hey, listen, I went most of this season trying to be the defensive coordinator and the head coach. That wasn't part of the original agreement. So I feel like I need one more year with a guy that I trust underneath me and also maybe making a change at offensive coordinator if that's the case. I don't think it's an automatic dismissal of Matt Eberflus if the Bears were to lose out. I think that they've invested enough in his system. Uh, It would be a tough pill to swallow. I'm not saying it's the right decision by any stretch of the imagination, but I do see, I don't, I don't think it's an automatic dismissal at all for Matt Eberflus. Oh, and Bears fans will handle that very well. Very mature, very well. They'll see your point of view. I think though, you know, cause you know, I think a lot of people saw Ken Dorsey get fired and like, how's Luke Getze still have a job? But I, I don't know. I think that Luke Getze, I think it's a completely different situation. Like I think Sean McDermott's trying to save his job. Like if you, you look at coaches who are certainly on the hot seat, I think Sean McDermott is one who's, who sees Ben Johnson killing it in Detroit. That if, if Sean McDermott was fired and you're Ben Johnson, you're like, Oh, of all the jobs that could possibly be available this off season, the one with Josh Allen might be the most desirable. I think that Luke Getzey probably buys himself a little bit of time. And it feels like listening to Justin Fields comments about him this week, where he was like, I didn't want to bother him during the game. Like it, it feels like ah, there is some sort of like Getzey feels safe, at least throughout the rest of the year. He's, he is safe throughout the rest of the year, because what are you going to do at this point? You don't have anybody else on that offensive staff that has any sort of coordinator experience um, or anything above what Luke Getzey has been able to attain. And again, you switched quarterbacks midseason because of injury, and so now you're getting Justin Fields back. There's not enough of a sample size this year to say that Justin Fields and Luke Getze's system doesn't work. There's just yeah. not enough of a sample size yet. So you're going to give him the rest of this year. But I do think it could be a situation like the Bills. I personally think that Ken Dorsey firing was a complete scapegoat attempt. Yeah, 100%. And it was Sean McDermott trying to save his job. Yeah. I think it would be a little more justified in Matt Eberflus's case, but I think that the Bears would give Matt Eberflus the chance to save himself by sacrificing someone on his staff, and maybe rightfully so. I mean, Luke Getze hasn't shown yet this year, or last year for that matter, that he is capable of coaching anything other than the system that he was brought up in. And that's the issue. That's that's the big thing with Justin Fields, is that he is not exploiting Justin Fields' skill set the way that he said he was going to. So that's a huge indictment. You are a system coach. You are not a personnel coach. You are not someone that can evolve your system based on the guys that you have, which I believe is the best. Those are the best coaches, the ones that can adapt as you go from year to year and personnel and roster to roster. That's not something we've seen from Luke Getze. So maybe in these last seven games, I I don't think that Justin Fields is the only one playing for his job. I think Luke Getze is too. And maybe even Matt Eberflus. Absolutely. I think they're all in there. I was encouraged. uh, Something we talked about when we were at SoFi Stadium two weeks ago uh, for the Bears-Lions is like, they had that game plan the first time with Tyson Bajant and they throw a bunch of, you know, short passes and do whatever. And you're like, okay, they win. That's great. Uh, they did the right thing. And then what I had told Ryan Poles, I'm like, let's go deep on the first play. And they did it. And you're like, Hey, you know, maybe this guy's learning until he, he runs the jet sweep into Cleo Mack. And you're like, what in the name of Matt Nagy is going on here? But you know what? Coaches are learning on the job. It's fine. Like we all make mistakes. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with that. I, I think that it, you know, cause we, 
And I think for Bears fans, it, the most difficult thing is like you guys watch Bears games so closely and then you red zone everything else. If you spent time and watched every team's games, and I spent a lot of time watching other teams play football, there are so many times that coaches make, even the best coaches, you're like, God, what are they doing? Like even the Rams, you'd be like, Sean, like what is going on here? Like there's time, like this is what happens to coaches. So we shouldn't uh, blow those up. And I think sometimes too, just giving some stability and allowing these guys to go out there and do it. I know that I'm guilty of jumping the gun a lot of times because I'm emotional and that's what I do. But, you know, it is what it is. I think that uh, these guys are now going to get an opportunity to go prove themselves. And another chance to prove themselves is I want to talk about the offensive line. Uh, Justin Fields isn't the only one who is returning uh, to the offense this week. Nate Davis will return. What? Does I know you touched on this in the article, but I want to give you the chance to talk about it. Uh, what does the reshuffled uh, Bears offensive line look like? Yeah, listen, I'm you know very well. If, if anybody has watched me for any amount of time, you know very well that I am not a an advocate of very cavalierly switching guys from you side to like side this. on the offensive line. It's a lot harder than you think it is. I promise you that. I've talked to too many guys that have told me that. Um, and I, yeah. And so, but the thing is that's what the bears did to start out with. So in order to undo all of that, guess what? Multiple guys are now going to be out of position again. So you have Tevin Jenkins going back to left guard, uh, Nate Davis going into right guard, which is the, the space that he was supposed to occupy in the first place. And then you have Lucas Patrick staying at center and Cody Whitehair is now backup center swing guard i have to imagine with it that was not that that was not immediately clear but given that he's played both guard spots i have to imagine that he is the number one backup now but yeah i mean your your longest tenured offensive lineman is now re relegated to the bench but i mean he's out now but like i don't know i think the guys who are playing are probably the best guys who should be playing i think it, it was a shock to me reading the uh, pff stats that lucas patrick was actually the highest rated on run blocking I think it was, and I think it was uh, Tevin Jenkins who was the highest on pass blocking. But I thought that Lucas Patrick is actually playing pretty well. This doesn't – I don't know. I don't think it, it, it's its too bad of a move. But, listen, they're going up against one of the best defensive fronts in the NFL. We talk about the resurgence of the, of the Detroit Lions. What has made their rebuild work so well is that they've built up both sides of the trenches. I think this Bears offensive line, which I felt, I feel, has been playing very well over the last couple of weeks. I think this is an opportunity for them to go out and prove it. Would you agree? Absolutely. And there's not that's not an excuse anymore for Justin Fields either because you Hold saw on. what they were able to do with Tyson Bajan behind them, and he's an undrafted rookie. So that's no longer an issue anymore. That line now, I think with those best five on it, is probably better than at least a third, if not a half of the league at this point, which is sure. more than you could ever want at, at, at this point in the season, especially because you're getting guys that are healthier now coming in in the middle of the season, which is should provide a huge boost. And I mean, this is also the line in which Matty Perflus and Ryan Poles envision in the sense that Tevin Jenkins is the only one that they did not bring in on this line. Everybody else is a guy that they brought in, and that matters. It matter. I talk about how much that matters with a quarterback. Quarterbacks aren't the only one that matters with, especially when your GM is a former offensive lineman. He trusts his own evaluation. He trusts the guys that he brought in, and that's what you're seeing now. And Tevin Jenkins has done enough to show them that he belongs here. He's arguably – I love the character arc of Tevin Jenkins right now. Yeah. He put in so much work this offseason. I caught up with him at O-Line Masterminds. He had been working very diligently – 
throughout the offseason at the facility. And then on a, one of the only free weekends they get, he goes down to Dallas to participate in this O-line summit on his own. I mean, this is just, it's a wonderful thing. I'm glad that he's now like the leader of that offensive line. And that kind of negates the the need for a veteran like Cody Whitehair, who has been around. You don't need that anymore. You have the best five out there. And it's unfortunate for Cody, but he's also kind of getting older too, which is just depressing oh. to say because he's much younger than me. It's it's a bummer from a humanitarian standpoint yeah, and how much guy. we've we've loved Cody Whitehair over the years. But it's like, dude, sometime at, at some point, you know, you're going to get replaced by somebody younger than you. I think it happens to everybody. So I love what Tevin Jenkins has been able to do. I knew I knew that he was going to be my guy when he was the one who was trying to protect the quarterback back when he was a rookie or a second year guy. And he was getting admonished by one of the don't do that like listen, we're, we're not a good football team. I'll take a 15 yard penalty. If it means setting a tone that nobody's going to be messing around with our quarterback. So I kind of love that intensity and he's brought that and really has gotten his, you know, has yeah, gotten he's everything. Prick. Yeah. It's he's been everything prick. he's been. Yeah. He's a good prick. I don't want those guys to be cool. I want them to be a-holes and uh, I he's really, not, and he's not them. a prick outside of the, no, no, no. Delightful. Sure delightful he's a wonderful human. Human. On the, on the field. On the field jerk, which is exactly what you want. Um, we, we you don't want though is you don't want guys on the other side of the football like Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, you wrote that Amon Ross St. Brown needs to be discussed among the NFL elite wide receivers. We said this yesterday on the Tyler Scott show. He should be in the MVP conversation. What do you think of that? Not Adam taking things to the absolute extreme. Uh it. Like, like, okay, listen. Is he going to win MVP? No. Is he going to finish top 10? Probably not. But at least, like, at least be discussed. You know, I say this, listen, I know a lot about coaching now because, you know, we won a championship. Uh, my daughter's 10U AYSO team. So I know a lot of it. But I think, like, getting in, getting into those conversations, it's like we talk about with offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators. Like, you might not be hired for a job, but the fact that you're interviewing for it should be like, oh, like, okay, now we start thinking of Ben Johnson. Last year he was uh, in, I think it was uh, the Carolina Panthers was the team he was talking to. But like, that's how you get into the, get into the circle of like, now you're a head coaching candidate. And I know that Amon Ross St. Brown is not going to win the MVP. And he's not, I mean, if Justin Jefferson didn't win it two years ago, nobody's going to win it. AJ Brown's not going to win it. I understand that. But I think that to your point of like how you get, Amon Ross St. Brown into these conversations is to put him into it or get into the conversation of an elite receiver is at least be like a hipster and be like, yeah, like make the case for him to be MVP. He's not going to win, but I think like you can make a case. I, I think that there is a separate conversation about the NFL's elite wide receivers that he can be a part of. And I think the more that you talk about him among the likes of Tyreek Hill, AJ Brown, all of those guys, the more people are going to start accepting it. I'm not going to immediately say MVP and have people tune me out because that's clearly not going to no, happen for no, so no. many reasons. No, no, no. Like I'm a girl. I'm a girl no, in this industry. Right, I can't be enough, saying outlandish enough, stuff like that. I really enough, can't and, and mean it. I can't. That's uh, so, I can't even say it jokingly and and not have people. That's so true. That's me. there was a guy. There was a guy yesterday. His name's whatever. He's a fantasy person who put out this tweet about like. Hey, uh, should the should the Texans fire D'Amico Ryan so they don't lose Bobby Slowick as their offensive coordinator? 
and it's like that kind of stuff. And it's and it's something that hurts people in the in the fantasy football industry. And speaking of fantasy football, the easiest way to play fantasy football is underdog fantasy. It is so simple to get started. Go to underdogfantasy.com or better yet, download the underdog fantasy app. Sign up right now. Every first time user, sign up using the promo code SICK, and Underdog Fantasy will match your initial deposit up to $100. It's a great way to get started in fantasy football. They have these, they have these like pickums and it's so much fun. You can go out there and have a lot of fun. Gives you an incentive to watch some of the other games or to just sit here and have some fun with your friends. Like, Hey, this is what we're playing. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app and check that out. But going back to Amon Ross, Brown, I think it is legitimate though. Um, I think he really, I think he has proven himself that he belongs in that conversation. Is he better than Justin Jefferson and AJ Brown and Tyreek? No, but I think he's in there in a, in a, in a tier two type of situation with guys like Mike Evans. Yeah. Well, Mike Evans is a whole separate conversation for me because I spent six years in Tampa campaigning. Mike Evans is criminally underrated. Uh, A lot of those guys on that team are because they just didn't get the clout, especially initially and and early on in their careers when they were really being productive. Uh, But no, I, Absolutely, because Alvin Ross St. Brown, I actually wrote an article earlier in the year talking about how he deserves to be thought of as a number one wide receiver. Because a lot of people, because he operates majority out of the slot, or he had up until the last couple of years with ben, yeah. under Ben Johnson, uh, they, they had kind of relegated him to that slot receiver role, which was just not true. So I started the year talking about how he, we should think of him as a true number one. That has now evolved because of his just sheer production. He is getting better every single year. His yards per reception have gone up a a yard every single year. This is a guy that goes out of every single alignment. He lines up wide. He lines up in the slot. He runs every route on the route tree, except for literally like two or three. I was looking this up and just the routes that he's run this year. Um, And there are nine routes on the tree on the tree. So he's running all over the place and he's been reliable. I mean, this is a guy that somehow ends up open despite the fact that the defense knows better than all whatever to, to make sure that they're accounting for him. So Amon Ross St. Brown needs to be in these elite conversations because of the fact he is, he has done everything possible to put himself in those situations. And the, and the lions are having success. They have a ton of production. Amon Ross St. Brown has had a hundred or more yards in every game except for two this year. Yeah, that's insane. So he's averaging over a hundred yards a game, 102 yards a game. Um, so I just I it, it gets me a little riled up because I'm like this guy is not getting the due that he deserves. You know, uh, those sound like MVP numbers to me. But listen, I I think it's really cool too. You know, the Lions have had a really nice lineage of wide receivers starting. I'm sure there was somebody before Herman Moore, but I can't think of it right now. But Herman Moore, who is, again, criminally underrated. Calvin Johnson, for as beloved as he was, was still, I feel like, a little underrated uh, for how good he was. And uh, the now it's Amon Ross St. Brown, who is starting to get it. And I think one of the things that the, that the the previous two guys had a disadvantage of was the teams just weren't very good. I mean, they weren't good. I know that Herman Moore was on a team with Barry Sanders, so you're going to get overlooked you know, you're, you're Eddie, Eddie Van Halen when David Lee Roth is the front man. Like, yeah, you're going to get overlooked a little bit. But Amon Ross St. Brown is now getting an opportunity to kind of step out of the spotlight. And people love the Lions and they love talking about them. And so I go into this game against the Bears and we talk about this offense who just went out there and put up, what, 40 points against mm-hmm. the L.A. Chargers. Their alleged defense. Um, is there any I know you, you mentioned this. You touched on this briefly 
uh, a couple of moments ago. Can the Bears slow them down? Is there is there any chance? Can we can we sit here? Can we can we be a mere speed bump uh, for this Lions offense? I can't guarantee you're going to get pressure on Jared Goff because that line, that offensive line in Detroit is a brick wall. However, yeah. like we talked about before, if you stop their run game, that severely limits uh, Ben Johnson's playbook. It really yeah. does. So that you, we need to at least make them somewhat one dimensional. Uh, if you can, the issue with Detroit is they get a ton of production out of their tight ends too. that rookie, Sam Laporta. Ooh. I did a whole feature on him. I talked to Rob Gronkowski about I Sam know. and Rob told me this guy is changing the game for rookie tight ends. He's, he's upping the bar. He's raising expectations for them. Although Gronk was very insistent. Rob was very insistent that uh, he's not getting more touchdowns than Rob had his rookie year, which was 10. Uh, but he's saying that he's going to have more yards. He's going to have more catches. And it has to do with the fact that Ben Johnson relies very heavily on those tight ends in both facets. They get these guys that can block and can factor into the receiving game. We saw Brock Wright catch a touchdown against the yeah. Chargers last week or you know a couple of days ago. So that's where it's going to hurt. And if you don't have your linebacker core at full strength, that's going to hurt the Chicago Bears because you're going to need these guys to run. With these tight ends, you're going to need them to like, especially a guy like Tremaine Edmonds, you're going to need his length and stuff like that. So if he can't go, it's going to be, it's, it's, it's not going to be a pretty sight. This has been a very potent offense for all of this season, dating back to the beginning of last season. That, that wasn't why the Lions were losing. They were averaging 35 points a game. <laughs> no, it is a really good offense when you look at it and the, the, the ability to use the 12 personnel with a wide receiver like Amon Ross St. Brown, two great running backs. You know, I was worried going into last week, only from a fantasy perspective, but going into that game, you know, Jameer Gibbs had played so well mm-hmm. going up, you know, with, with David Montgomery out. And of course, uh, DeMont returns and you're like, oh, are they going to do this thing? Like a lot of NFL teams do is like, Hey, you watch a guy, especially a rookie kill it for like a couple of games. Then the starter returns like, okay, see you later. Uh, never to be seen from again. They didn't do that. The Detroit nope. Lions went right back to Jameer Gibbs. I'm going to ask you, is that, are they going to continue with that? Because we saw situations like this with like Zach Moss in Indianapolis that eventually he gets phased out or is Jameer Gibbs here to stay? If defenses let them run, they can do it. They have a very, like I said, they have a very even split between how many times they run the ball and how many times they pass it. And that makes, there's room for everybody now. It's, I don't know exactly how they're doing it because it seems like they're cramming so much in, but that's just a testament to how productive their offense is. I mean, they put up over 500 yards in, in Los Angeles on Sunday. And it's because not only were they getting production from both Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery, but then they had Amon Ross St. Brown out there. You had Sam Laporta, you had Brock Wright. You haven't really gotten Jamison Williams even going yet. So there seems to be enough work to go around. And again, Ben Johnson is not afraid to run the ball because of that offensive line. That offensive line is a great run blocking line. They're a great pass run blocking line too. And when you have those guys up front, it just gives you this incredible arsenal of things to choose from. Every touchdown drive that I saw the Lions, every scoring drive in general, on Sunday, every every scoring drive I saw out of them, it was they scored in a different way. There yeah. was different things being mixed in. It wasn't. It, there was no way for the Chargers to keep up defensively because they were just on their heels the entire time. Ben Johnson was. I don't. I want to know how big his call sheet is. Yeah. I need to know how big his call sheet is because I'm like, 
most guys are like this big, you know, and you got the sections, you got like first down, third down, third down and short, third down, whatever, all this, all the scenarios. And I'm just like, you have to have 20 plays per scenario if you're Ben Johnson, because yeah. it's incredible what he's been able to do. And I think it's absolutely sustainable when you have a guru like that. Yeah, Matt Nagy had a post-it note, and then Ben Johnson has this Rand McNally map. That he's got an encyclopedia. Big thing. It just—it's like one of the maps that you pull out of the out of the ceiling uh, back in your old history class back in the day. Uh, a lot of the the kids don't understand these jokes. They're like, "What's a Thomas guide?" Doesn't matter. Uh, it's an apt comparison. I will ask you this about um. Uh, well, let me ask you. Okay, so when I was talking about Ben Johnson possibly looking at Buffalo as a potential landing spot of Sean McDermott's not able to get his stuff together. Last week, Ben Johnson was in Los Angeles. You got Justin Herbert. I think that's a, probably a more attractive job for him. Like you got, you got a giant canopy. You don't got to worry about the winners in Buffalo. You can go live in El Segundo where the Chargers are moving their practice facility. That might be the one. Cause first of all, I'm not, I'm now just trying to get Ben Johnson out of Detroit. I think that's, I think that's one of the biggest harbingers, uh, for the Bears' success and the get him out of here. Could he be going to Los Angeles? Did he say anything? Was he like, ah, oh, was he, was he, did you, did you check his phone to see if he was on Zillow while he was in town or anything? I'm like for going through someone's private phone is a, is, is a crime. Just look over so his shoulder while he's sitting at the airport. Just be like, oh, like, you know, like you're just sitting there yeah, having a drink the at the airport. They get on a bus and get on a plane and get, they, 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 they let me, let me my, at the stadium. Let me have my dreams. Let me just, um, let me just no, pretend. no. I mean, Ben Johnson is fully locked into Detroit. He turned down some coaching interviews last year to stay in Detroit. I don't think that's going to happen this year because I think that there are teams that are going to back up a Brinks truck for him. Yeah. But it's an interesting point that you bring up because, yeah, like usually the coaching vacancies, especially this last go around, like none of them were really that great. No. Like, obviously, if you need a new head coach, your situation is not likely to be good. But now you do. You look at teams Ooh. like the Chargers who could very well part ways with Brandon Staley. You look like teams like the Bills. I mean, these are good jobs, especially like in the Chargers case. I can't figure out why they're bad. There's so much talent. And like oh. on paper, they look like a great team. Same with the Buffalo Bills for that matter. So like these are very attractive positions. And I do think that your dream is going to come true that Ben Johnson is going to leave, not only because teams are going to pay him a ton to leave and make it worth his while, but because there are some jobs that he could say, you know what, there's some good pieces there. I can do a lot with that. And and it's attractive for him too. You need two sides to tango, right? And yeah, there's going to be a couple of attractive jobs this year. Ooh. Oh yeah, for the first time, yeah, Carolina, even with Bryce Young, was not an attractive job last year. Credit to D'Amico Ryan's for going down to Houston. I mean, obviously he was a former player, so that made a lot of sense for him to go here. But there's going to be a great chance for Ben Johnson to go out there. And of course, we'll be talking about this with Cynthia Freeland on Friday for Ranks Rivals. We have confirmed her. Uh, she'll she'll be on. She hates this kind of talk. Oh, she the hates when I, Lions oh, she hates when I bring up this kind of talk. But it's interesting because I mean, the Lions don't want to lose Ben Johnson. Are you kidding? Yeah, but it's funny when you talk about why are the Chargers always so bad. I always think about how Bears fans will take shots at the McCaskies. I'm like, you should you should spend time like you've you've clearly never studied the Spanos family. I think like you know what this is. By the way, this is my copywritten idea that I'm about to spit out. So if anybody takes this idea and runs with it, I'm going to use this as proof in my defamation or my copyright suit. Like I came up with this idea right here. I have an idea for a show. It's called fan swap. It's like that wife swap show. Like where you take a fan 
Like you take a Charger fan, you take a Bears fan, and you make them switch for a year. Like, oh, you think you had it rough. See how it is on this side of the ball. And then, like, it'd be, I think that would be a great idea. Why not? Why not do undercover boss? But instead of that, you'd have a fan switch places with the owners and do yes. that. And see how oh, that yeah. Over, overcover boss. Like, yeah, you think it's so easy? You be the owner of this team. See how, how easy it is to go and just print your money from the NFL. And then, how do I, I just, the Chargers bug me because, like, like I said, they're building a, a facility in Elsa. This means nothing to anybody who's in Chicago. Um, so I'll drop it. Uh, when I start my Chargers podcast, no, I'm just kidding. Um, let's get to some questions. I'm sure people have some questions. If Bridget Condon, I think Bridget Condon, by the way, is watching us. I hope she's. Uh, Hi, I hope Bridget. she's. I hope she's finding this useful. Uh, I want to get her prepared for this game, Adam. I have nightmares about Cedric Benson's first game against the Bears uh, after he went to Cincinnati. Can we expect the same type of performance from Monty? Not only that, Rick. Not only is David Montgomery like so into that, but like. Dan Campbell is the opposite of a lot of these coaches. Remember last week or two days ago, four days, whatever it was, Jameer Gibbs gets tackled at the one yard line or he goes out of bounds at the two or whatever it was. Jameer Gibbs gets the touchdown. There are 30 other coaches in the NFL that would have taken Jameer Gibbs out of the game and given it to a tight end or an offensive tackle who is eligible. They would have not given the ball to Jameer Gibbs. They would have gone in some other direction. The only other guy, him, it was Dan Campbell and Kyle Shanahan would be the only guys who would give like, oh, you've earned this. Go do it. So the thing that scares me the most is that Dan Campbell is oh, going to be super up. mindful of this to yeah. the point like this. I like again, as somebody who has Jameer Gibbs on his fantasy team, I am very concerned about this because Dan Campbell seems like the kind of block, not blockhead, but like like the you know how he is like a meathead. He is a meathead. Oh, football guy he's a football he's definitely gonna give david montgomery so many opportunities to score multiple touchdowns against the chicago bears nightmares i'm having daymares i don't have to go to sleep to envision this kind of stuff it's it's uh, over for us isn't it's, it? it's it's something that i'm they've already talked about i'm oh, sure judging God. by judging by david montgomery's reaction in the locker room on sunday night uh sunday evening i should say we, t we talked to David in the locker room and the very last we were, you know, we're talking about the game and all that other stuff. And, and I talked to him about Jameer Gibbs and what he's seen from him while David was out. Um, he spent a lot of time with Jameer. But then I, somebody asked, and we were like, so you're going to Chicago uh, next week. How do you feel about that? And David, I swear to you, just gives this like this little smirk slash like knowing grin. And he's just like, We'll talk about that next week. And I'm oh, just like, no. oh, God, you've thought about this. The coaches are absolutely hyping you up. I mean, these are all football guys. These are also a lot of these guys are former players. Yeah. Dan Campbell's a former player. A lot of these guys are former players to the point where they understand what this means. They understand how this goes. That's why Dan Campbell is so sympathetic in getting these guys the score and the payoff when they do all the work because he's like, I used to be in that position. I wanted to get the ball. Hold on. Whoa, 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 Dan Campbell. You were a touchdown vulture. You were featured on that helps no one. So that's where he, that's where he knows it from. And it, oh, it's so frightening. And by the way, we're, we're in Detroit, right? The lions are playing host to the yes. bears, which means if you're looking for a place to watch the game on Sunday, might I recommend game room, Chicago, located in the Chicago Athletic Association Hotel right across uh, from Millennium Park. It features billiards, shuffleboard, skee-ball, 
pop a shot, and so much more. And there's plenty of space to watch your favorite football game with a menu featuring Michelin-starred chef Mari Katsumura's snack foods, beer towers, a weekend Bloody Mary bar, and shareable signature cocktails. Game Room Chicago is the place to be on game day. Go watch the Bears knock off the Detroit Lions and shock the world. Game Room Chicago. And, uh, you know, dress up a little bit. Now, I'm sitting here in a hoodie telling people, like, I would get out my best hoodie. I would get out my Andre. The, oh, no, that's a red one. I can't wear that. But in any event, go check out the Game Room Chicago if you get an opportunity. And uh, tell them that we sent you. Uh, we would really appreciate it. But, yeah, I'm I'm really – I know that we – we're just touching on this David Montgomery thing, but like, man, it's going to be bad. And, but again, I need you. God, I, I got Jameer. I don't know. This I is don't gonna know be like I said, there seems to be enough work to go around. And it just, I think it depends on what you think about the bears run defense. Well, we're that, good. That top ranking is really worth is really, you know, indicative of how good they are. Well, I, I, I think you hit it on the head, I hit the nail on the head where you're talking about how they attack it. Because again, not to be too fantasy focused, but like, they're still giving up a lot of production to running backs, but they throw the ball to the running backs. We saw Austin Eckler do this a couple of weeks ago in that game at SoFi Stadium, which is why I think that Jameer Gibbs could be effective in this one because he catches the ball out of the backfield. Not that David Montgomery can't catch it, but Jameer Gibbs is their pass catching back. And I, I feel like we're going to miss out on touchdown opportunities because if Jameer Gibbs does get tackled at the two this week, I think he's getting pulled out. And I think Jameer Gibbs, this is the one thing that I really like about the Lions is they seem like they're this kind of team too, where they're like, oh, like, okay, yeah, let, let David have this one against the Bears. Like, I could see them all being like, ah, cool. Like, a lot of times these players are like, I want to go out and I want to score mine. Uh, and this is probably a situation where that, and they'll allow David Montgomery to go out and do it. I don't even, I don't like any of this talk. All right, how about one more question? Uh, before we wrap this up, uh, would you both be, what would you consider a successful rest of the season for Justin Fields and the bears to not pick a quarterback in the draft? Um, what we saw in the, in the, uh, in the Denver game and the Washington game and not necessarily like having to throw four touchdowns, but being productive, like being a useful quarterback. Let me ask you this, Carmen, before you answer this question is like, I don't know, watching Caleb Williams, like I, a lot of the things that Caleb Williams does, like the things that frustrate me about Caleb Williams is what Justin does is like, doesn't stay in the pocket, runs into pressure, creates his own sacks. It's like, well, we already got that guy. We don't, we don't need that. We don't need to draft somebody for that. We've already got that. Um, but I think Justin does have, I, I think a reasonable expectation is just being a productive offense. No one wants to hear this, but according to people I've talked to around the league, the question mark of who QB1 is, is a bigger question than most people think. And Drake May and Caleb Williams are both kind of in that conversation more than people think. So I don't know that it's a, it's a foregone conclusion that if the Bears were to take a quarterback at number one overall, say it's the Panthers pick. Or even second overall. Or even second overall. Like, I don't, I don't know that the answer is Caleb Williams because of everything that you just said. But as far as what Justin needs to do to convince these guys, I mean, I'm looking for things like – him being able to stand up in the pocket and deliver, him being able to get through his progression, to read the defense, to manipulate defenders and look them off and do all of the things that veteran franchise quarterbacks do, do everything that does earn you a 40 to $50 million contract because that's going to be where this is headed. I know you have the fifth-year option still, but that's where this is all headed. And you need to be – I need to see that that quarterback, those quarterback skills as far as like – 
being able to operate what the coaches are giving him, but then also go off script and be effective. Um, again, get rid of the ball quicker. Take what the defense is giving you. It, it's all very basic stuff that I want to see that we just haven't seen on a consistent basis. That's the other thing. I want to see it for seven more games. I don't want to see a flash here, a flash there, you know, bits and pieces. Like, okay, well, Justin was really good at, at looking off defenders in this game, but then, you know, he was better at stepping up at the pocket this game or, you know, he ran more this game. Um, I need to see him overcome some of these circumstances. I get that coaching hasn't been the best for him and they're not exploiting his skill set the way they should be. Really good quarterbacks overcome that. And I want to see him overcome it no matter what happens with Luke Getze or with this Bears offense. We've seen CJ Stroud do it in Houston. He is a rookie. If yeah. you can't do it after having 30-some games in this league, then I just I, – I, I, I can't think that Brian Poles and Matty Recluse are going to base their livelihoods on this guy that they didn't bring in that has not convinced them. Yeah, because then they'll all get clipped by the end of next year. So uh, that's an interesting one. I think we need to take one more question, though. If we could yeah. uh, do it. Orange and blue blood, Brett – uh, thank you so much for weighing in. Justin seems pretty mentally tough. Do you think all this talk is getting into his head at all? You know, I think that he really is is, is of the mind that he wants to go out and prove himself. I, I think he really wants to take that step forward and go out there and do the right things. And, um, you know, I, I, I really hope, and not that they, he needs extra motivation or anything like that, but we have seen, like Carmen said, we've seen the flashes. We do not need to see the consistency. So I do hope, and he talked about this. There was a quote, um, I forget whose story it was in, where he was talking about, you know, talking about like how he wanted, like, let me, if I can read this quote, it's like, yeah, a little bit. I think Sunday night game, I was trying to just play the game in my head. And I think I got the call down from upstairs. The camera kept showing me. So I, he had to stop calling the plays, but he was really trying to lock in and trying to really go through the game and kind of see it from a different perspective. So I really hope it gives him an opportunity right now to go out there and see the field in a different way. And like Carmen was saying, like be decisive. I think that's the most important thing and correct me. I, I'm, I'm interested in your take on this. Carmen. It's like, I thought that Tyson, like sometimes he would make some questionable throws, but he was decisive. He never looked like he was questioning himself. He just played. I think that Justin could use a little bit more of that. Yeah. And I don't want to get into this. Like, Oh, Justin has things to learn from Tyson Bajan. No, he doesn't. Not necessarily. I, no, no, but, no, not, not but like that, but like just to your point with... though. Yeah. I mean, some of the, there was a lot of accuracy issues with Tyson Bajan. There were other issues, but what wasn't lacking was Tyson's processing. He was processing yeah. exactly what he was looking at. He was taking what the defense gave him a lot of time, especially early on. And he was making decisions and leading his receivers into, you know, hopefully a completion. Now, again, those balls weren't accurate a lot of the time and he needs to work on that. But if you're a guy that can complete those passes, like Justin Fields should be, like he showed in college, there's no excuse for not doing that then. And I, and, and again, on a consistent basis, but to go back to the original question of does this get to Justin Fields? I don't care what any of these guys say. They all say they don't make like, they don't look at the media. They don't like, it's impossible to avoid as someone yeah. who it gets to me too, where I, I have people in my DMs calling me all sorts of things. I can't imagine what it's like for a football player that's not performing on the field the way that he wants to be. Of course, it's getting to Justin. And of course, he wants to go out and prove himself again, no matter what he says. But at the same time, this is where that mental toughness comes in. And if he is, he is very mentally tough. He's got a wonderful mentality when it comes to just kind of putting his head down and working. But I mean, 
you don't need to look very far to see that when he made those comments about the coaching, all this, like this firestorm hit. And then he comes back out and has to like calm it all down because he heard all of it. His phone started blowing up. There's no way these guys don't see these things. And so I also think people should just be nicer. Like as as critical as I can be about Justin, I always like to think that it's fair and objective criticism because I have three other teams that I watch and this is my educated, whatever, but there's a difference between that and, and going after the guy personally, which is not something that should ever be done. So of course this stuff gets to him, but it comes with the territory. You're paid very handsomely to kind of deal with it. It's built into your contract. You kind of, you have to deal with the media and all that kind of stuff too. So it comes with the territory. These guys know that, but I do think that this is an opportunity for Justin to really like, he has all the motivation that he could possibly want right now. Yeah. And what he does with it is going to be very telling of if he really is going to be successful in this league, not just maybe in Chicago, but even somewhere else. Yeah, it's one of those things like I know that Bears Twitter is very splintered right now. It's very divisive one side or the other. That's Twitter it, in general. But it, it, it doesn't matter because Justin has the opportunity to prove himself. It doesn't matter what I say, what you say, what anybody else says. Justin's going to get his chance to go out there and prove himself. I believe that he's going to be able to do it. You know, you can not you, but like people in general can feel however they want. He's going to go get his chance and it's, we're going to see it on the field and it's not going to be left up to anybody's conjecture or speculation. It's going to be shown on the field one way or the other. And that's exactly the way that you want it to be. So it'll be fun to see that unfold on Sunday. Are you going to be at that game? Is that where you're heading? No, I'm not headed there, but cause I will be up in Detroit for Thanksgiving when they play the Packers. Oh, so cool. I'm going all over. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Appreciate everybody here who is logging in. That's going to do it for us this evening. I feel really good about the Bears. I don't know why. I always feel good about the Bears, but uh, looking forward to it. But uh, Carmen, thank you for being here. Thanks to everybody out there uh, for Sammy and the rest of the staff. Bear down and uh, go ahead and play us out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. 